This is Sunday Rewind. Take it back now, y'all. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Welcome in, kids. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Husker Rewind. And a good rewind it is this week. A lot of good things happen in the Husker Nation. Mike Melby joins me every Sunday from 5 until 7. We follow Husker Extra Hour with the legends Sam McEwen and Tom Chattel. Kind of a good lead-in for this show. You I know, like it. It, it. it really is, and it's interesting. Um, both of them have the the cojones at times to write articles that, you know, you're like, that's kind of taking a little bit of a chance there with, yeah. you know, going out on a limb. But it, they state some stuff they believe in and that they, you know, truly think will happen. And I, I thought Tom's article uh, earlier this week regarding the game or the match of the century potentially last night at the Devaney Center. It lived up to it. Yeah, uh, but but yeah. for him to call it, and I know other people were kind of saying it, but for him to actually put it in print and sit there and go, tell me I'm wrong. Wake up Sunday morning and tell me that this article is wrong. And everybody woke up and went, Tom, your article is right. Um, what an insane... I, You can't top that match. I gave up well, 17 different <laughs> times. I mean, um, I thought, I, I, I thought, you know what? Nebraska, as it started off, Nebraska, okay, that was a great first set, but they expended too much energy. Wisconsin wins set two and three. They're young. They'll figure this out. So they've lost 10 in a row. Now it's going to be 11 in a row. And then I go, they're not giving up. And and the key was the fourth set or the third set when they lost, but they were down something like 22 to 11 or 22 something to 12. Something in there, yeah. And, and and they came back and made it 25-22. They, they still lose the set, but I'm like, there's something that's not done with tonight yet. Yeah, that little comeback. And and I know in the postgame, John Cook mentioned that he thought Laney Choboy was the MVP of that game for Nebraska. Um, just what she brought from the standpoint of, of energy. And granted, she didn't make the most plays, but the plays that she made were huge. And I want to say one of those those uh, little quick meetings they have on the court after a point, right in that time frame of late in the third, I thought she she just was in the the little huddle with them and and it seemed it seemed like everybody was kind of chuckling or whatever when they broke. Yeah, and I'm like, you guys are getting smoked and you're laughing. That's kind of a good sign. Well, John Cook called her the MVP of last night, and I thought, well, that might be a little bit of an overstatement. She had 11 digs and played pretty well, three assists. But there were others that played better. But I think maybe he was pointing to what you were talking about. She's Just kind of that, a spark plug. Oh my! Like, <laughs> there, what, you, I'll, honest to truth, tell me if I'm off base here on this on this uh, comparison. She reminds me the way she plays the game reminds me of the way Casey Tomanaga plays basketball with joy. Just yeah, everything pure she does is pure joy. joy. And you could say, well, Casey's not really a leader, but that's leadership. It brings it brings like. You kind of look at Joe Boy or Tamanaga and you think, hey, we're just having fun. Whatever happens, happens, but let's have some fun. And then, you know, it spills over into a conversation like, hey, we're going to have fun because we're going to win. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you kind of get from both of those people. Uh, but that was so well, much fun last night. We'll talk a lot of Husker volleyball. Tonight. We are. Um, we've been 
begging several people to come down and spend an hour with us uh, that, that we have on on a regular basis. And I think today we finally are going to have our first like in-studio guest yeah. for the full hour outside of Jay Foreman. I think he's the only other one that's come in and stayed for a couple mm-hmm. segments. But Tanya Taki, former Nebraska middle blocker, is going to be in-studio with us in yep. the 6 o'clock hour. We figured, you know what? What better time to have Tanya in for an hour? Should be we'll great. still do all of our other stuff, but just get her thoughts on a little bit of the, the football side of stuff and whatever else we talk about. And uh, obviously, we'll focus a ton in the second hour on volleyball. Yeah. Um, but let's get the first hour going. Yeah, sure. Let's get the, it's the opening kickoff here. We'll kick it off for Oklahoma. The Sooners are in white. We are in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we are ready to go. We are ready to go, <laughs> Keith. On Thursday, we learned that the University of Michigan is once again under NCAA investigation, this time for sign-stealing. Connor Stallions, an analyst hired by Jim Harbaugh in the spring of 22, is at the center of the investigation. His LinkedIn profile reads that he is, quote-unquote, adept at identifying opponents' most likely course of action and most dangerous course of action and identifying and exploiting critical vulnerabilities and centers of gravity in the opponent's scouting process. What? He has since been suspended by Michigan. Uh, yeah. and th- Did I you mean, see the comments or hear the comments from uh, Harbaugh after the game last night? He was like, yeah, when you're good, people want to take pot shots at you. You know, when you're on top, this is what happens. People are just taking shots at us right now because we're really good. Yeah, and you're, we, we're really good because we've been cheating, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that too. But we also cheat. I forgot to mention that yeah. part. Former Husker Isaiah Roby uh, was released by the Knicks on Wednesday, but yesterday he signed an Exhibit 10 contract with the Knicks. Exhibit 10 basically means there's no guaranteed money. He gets X amount of dollars. If they want to turn it into a two-way contract, they can. Uh, gives the the organization a little bit of leeway, but hopefully Isaiah sticks with the Knicks. Hasn't for another he year. already made his thirty mil? Or I don't think it's thirty. I mean, he's he was, prob- I probably thought he more... signed originally for OKC with for thirty. Well, that would have been three years for thirty, and yeah. I don't see that. Yeah, it was. It might have been seven. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's yeah. that seems more realistic. Yeah. Uh, congrats to uh, John Walker. Uh, he's in his thirtieth season coaching the Nebraska soccer team, and with a four two win at Illinois today. The 25th-ranked Husker soccer team clinched a share of the Big Ten title. I believe it's their sixth conference title, uh, or fifth, and they've won six tournament, hmm. uh, conference tournament titles. But they finished conference play. 7-1-2 and two is the record, and they tied Michigan State. Uh, Nebraska football defensive back commit Kalen Barda is no longer a Nebraska football commit. He... Flipped his commitment to Kansas State earlier this ah, afternoon. Never needed him. He was never any good. Uh, three-star safety from Topeka was realistically one of the lower-ranked commits in the class, but decided he's from Topeka. He wants to stay home, and, and he's going to play. He's having a good year. And he's always been a K-State fan, yeah, he says. So, hey, more, yeah. more power to him. Wish yeah. him all the success and luck in the world. Uh, let's. You know what? <clears throat> we already talked a little bit about it, but let's go ahead and do like yeah. the, the opening kickoff part of this. Uh, on Wednesday night at Northwestern, the Nebraska volleyball team ran their record to 18-0 and with a sweep of the Northwestern Wildcats. Nebraska's middles were on fire. They had 16 kills between Becca Alec and Andy Jackson, and those two combined to hit over 700. Merritt Beeson had 13 kills, seven digs, six service aces, and three blocks. Average night for her, I guess. Harper Murray adds 10 kills, hitting at a 4 12 clip Nebraska 18 and 0 Wisconsin took care of their business on Wednesday night 
They showed up at Devaney yesterday along with 9,198 others, the largest crowd in the history of the Devaney Center to see a Nebraska volleyball game last night. Seeing the social media stuff of the line of fans, it was a pilgrimage from Memorial Stadium, the .75 miles or whatever it is, .8 miles between Memorial Stadium and the Devaney Center as the fans walked over. Students were in line all afternoon, some of them getting there like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. The student Uh. section, absolutely insane. And then best of all, John Cook, following the game, said, I like the hat. I'm pissed. They didn't let the students rush the court with those cowboy hats on. That would have been epic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he looked good in the cowboy hat. He did. In case you were uh, living under a rock, the final score of last night's match of the century, and yeah, Tom Chattel and many others called it that initially, it lived up to the billing. Nebraska won set one, 25-22. Wisconsin won sets two and three, 25-17 and 25-20. Nebraska came back, made it through a match point, won the fourth set at 26-24, and then win the fifth at 15-13. Yeah, uh, it, it was... T- take a look over your right shoulder, Tom. And it, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you right now, um, you and I could sit here and talk at nauseum about it, but I I, I want to talk to somebody who was like there, who was in it, and who knows as much about that team as anybody else. You got anybody in mind? I don't know. Uh, we'll uh, maybe bring in John Baylor, see if he knows anything about the game last night. Hey, John, how are you? Gentlemen, <laughs> John. See any good volleyball. Mike, how about this? Nebraska soccer wins the Big Ten. Yes. Unreal. Yes. John Walker, I tell you, that guy knows more about the Montreal Expos than (laughs) anyone else in Lincoln, and I'm a distant second. I remember amazing. I I remember you being one of the original voices for Huskers soccer. I mean Exactly. Jenny Benson, corny kick, uh, heads flying, can't find the leather. Minnesota clears it out. <laughs> well, maybe it, days. maybe it was, that... it, was, it was frigid out there. It was a blizzard, and folks were sitting in their cars, and Gary Sharp and I were sitting in the, in the stands <laughs> way out there. Where the heck is that place? Way out in northeast Lincoln. I mean, it's like a suburb of Soresco where they played those matches. <laughs> and, uh, I used to make fun of the cars. I'm like, you're not really here if you're in your car. No. People would start honking. Well, I'm sure that was a lot of fun uh, back then, but uh, last night was uh, a decent match as well. Some people are calling it the game of the century. Uh, is it, where does it rank all time for you? You've seen a lot of Husker volleyball. I think that might not be fair. I'm thinking game of the millennium. Um, actually, <laughs> it was um, probably regular season. Um, probably the one, easily one of the greatest regular season matches I've ever been a part of. Uh, but probably just because the anticipation, you get one versus two matchups like every other year. Uh, during the regular season, and Nebraska seems to be involved in like half of them. But they're never this late in the season. They're never two undefeated teams. Also, it looks like the Big Ten's a two-team race this year. The others have kind of fallen off. So this has conference championship implications. The team teams play one more time, but uh, you know the Haskers hadn't won in ten in a row. Just there was so much buildup, so much anticipation, and the stakes were equally high, and it met those expectations i mean how often are we let down i remember the uh what the seinfeld the final episode huge <laughs> letdown all right i mean in this case it actually lived up to the billing 87 huskers and sooners uh supposed to be the game of the century too and it was oh, kind of boring 
I was before this match saying, hey, we got the key fobs to our house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, John Broderick Thomas Baylor is joining us. Yes. <laughs> hey, JB, I, w- I want to kind of jump into a little bit of the, the stuff in the match. First set goes Nebraska's way. Wisconsin kind of started fighting back, and they got a little bit of momentum heading into the they're second. Like six, seven, they're six, nine. They're I know. Kind of, they were throwing up a dog on wall. They had 10 blocks in set two. Now, other reporters were saying they had 12. It felt like 12 blocks, but I think they had four after the first set, 14 after the second set. It's just stunning to get 10 blocks in a single set. And Nebraska somehow doesn't give up. I mean, no. What what changed, though? What did you notice that changed? I have my own thoughts on what changed, but I want to know what you saw that changed with Nebraska being able to tool some balls off the block, hit through the block, find the openings, and get balls down in the back half of the third set, fourth and fifth. Yeah, not much change until you're right. The, the end of the four, third set, a flicker of hope. And the fourth set, part of it was Nebraska decided to start setting its middles and right sides and back rows more. It was very successful set one. I guess the passing broke down, as they like to say, a little bit in sets two and three, so Bergen didn't have quite as many options. But she just seemed to overset the left side, and that's particularly perplexing, sets two and three, because, again, the right side block, when Devin Robinson's up there, is only 6-2 and 6-3. Uh, but when Carter Booth and Anna Schmecker are up there, they're 6-4 and 6-7. That's easily a combined 13 feet of humanity, and it's tough to get through. Yeah, um, it felt like there was a change in set three where they do come back. They still lose the set. Sets four and five, though, didn't look that promising. They were down most of those sets. In fact, I think Wisconsin scored first in every single set. What is it about this team with four freshmen? Is it just that they're so young they don't know any better? Maybe. Maybe, actually, their youth doesn't make them realize they're supposed to be down and and they're supposed to kind of be dispirited, but... They've had so much success in their you know, childhoods, especially when playing volleyball, or else they never made it this far. You'd think they'd be more vulnerable to uh, you know, feeling uh, discouraged and, and giving up because they're, they're unaccustomed. There's, I mean, so many of them won state championships. They played on junior national teams. They've had great success on those junior national teams. And then, boy, to run into 10 blocks in a single set and a, and a, and a taller opponent and the history that they've heard of and haven't experienced – this is just a unique bunch is the bottom line is they reportedly spoke to coach cook when they were visiting together. I think it was their junior year, might've been their senior year. And they all happened to come together for a Wisconsin match, Nebraska lost. And afterwards they basically told the coach, that's not going to happen when we get here. And they followed through <laughs> on their promise. It's just, they have a belief that's just unique, especially in today's culture where it seems like young people are so fragile, right? I mean, they, they're checking out TikTok all the time. They're, they're comparing themselves all the time, thanks to all these doggone screens. And, and they're a lot more fragile than I think our generation was. But this bunch, I mean, it's the exact opposite. I mean, they are Teflon. It just, they start falling behind. It rolls right off when they just play the next point. They live in the moment. Now, that's a hallmark of Nebraska volleyball. I remember when I talked to Jamie Krondack in the early days, mid-'90s, and I said, you know, hey, if you guys win this match here in Wyoming – you guys, uh, you know, where do you think it might lead? And it's like I was speaking a foreign language. They are in the moment. They don't know postseason implications, much to their credit. And I think we'd all would benefit from that. Just play the next point, you know, play this game and see where it leads you. Because you know, this group has a, I hate this word, resilience, because it's so overused. But they just have a, a belief, a willpower that's, uh, that's unique.
John Baylor joining us, the voice of Nebraska volleyball following last night's incredible five-set victory, Nebraska over Wisconsin. In the postgame, head coach John Cook made a comment that he felt Laney Choboy was the MVP of that game. Can you expound a little bit on why he thought that? I'll expound on the fact that she's the shortest Husker I've ever seen. I like being the second shortest person on the airplane when we travel. Um, she just is horizontal all the time, and she is giving off energy. I mean, it's such an interconnected game. I mean, each player requires the the skills of the others. Like in basketball, you have one or two. I mean, we if we get a couple transfers, I mean, suddenly everything flips for Nebraska uh, basketball. But volleyball, I mean, Kayla Fecky needs five others. And you, you just are so interconnected. And, and so because of that closeness, and you, you literally come together after every point, pat each other on the back, nice job, it's going to be okay. And, and to have one of them, and she's not alone, who's constantly giving off energy. I mean, she celebrates like few Huskers ever have. I mean, she, if the other team has a service error, she's going crazy. So it's, it's kind of like a USC band. Whenever the opposing team is like offside, like dun, 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 dun. I mean, like she just goes crazy whenever um, – Anything good happens. Well, the other players respond to that, and, and she's just one of many that are loud and vocal, and she's special. And in and, and the beach season, like they get to kind of choose who their partner's going to be. Everyone wanted to be Laney's partner. <laughs> hey, real quick, I made an analogy a little bit earlier, a comparison. I said Laney Choboy reminds me the way she plays volleyball of the way Casey Tomanaga plays basketball. Do you see that, that comparison? Casey, oh, man. Uh, he's got a swagger. He celebrates uniquely. But he kind of looks to the crowd. Yeah. I mean, volleyball players kind of look to each other. They don't like Very true. look to the crowd. So there's a distinction there. And I don't know how she shoots the three pointer, but I think she builds a lot of, of, of team confidence. She helps. And there's so many others who contribute to that team confidence, but she's something special. And for her to choose a school where she would necessarily have to play part-time behind a legend libero for two years. It just speaks to her character. I mean, what she could be a star libero four years. She'd be third, maybe second team All-American this year on, on, you know, almost any other program. And now she's just part of a team playing part-time, but having a huge role. You've done it forever, play-by-play for Husker Volleyball and the Husker Sports Network. My wife sells for the Husker Sports Network. We oh, listen, Heidi. We, we listen to every radio broadcast. I think she wants to make sure you're doing all your reads uh, that she sells. Yeah. For, for, <laughs> but you do. I listen because I love... I love, uh, you know, the donut shop is open or the bakery is open. <laughs> L- last night, I think I heard uh, Closer Than a Two-Blade Shave. Is that the closer, first time? This one's closer than a twin blade shave. Oh, twin blade shave. Yeah, I, that, that was good. I I, I like uh, the sayings. Is, where, do you rank them? Do you rank your, your sayings? I rank them. All time? I think, you know, blocking better than cholesterol is tough that, to beat. That, I that, think that, that was pretty solid. Although I, yeah. I kind of, I'm, I, I, I always love um, more blocks than a preschool. I like that more, one. I, that one, that I one, like, uh, you know, any, any imagery of kids. But, you know, uh, I don't think anyone listening is going to be playing in the coming week, at least for the Huskers. So I don't think they need a lot of like X's and O's a little bit, a little bit of sports science, but I mean, sometimes I'm watching NFL games. I'm like, uh, am I suiting up next week? Like, <laughs> do I need to, do I need to learn a, five, a cover two here. I mean, uh, like, 
my goodness. Well, there's a lot of chalk chalk. So I just had a little fun. You make it a lot of fun, and uh, you're the best. I mean, you're amazing. You're, you're. I'm not just saying that, but uh, you're, you're really, really good. And thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. It's great to talk to both of you guys. You guys take care. All right, take care, JB. Uh, the voice of Husker volleyball, John Baylor, uh, one of the best. When he started doing it, he was asked to do it. He he didn't know a lot about volleyball. He had to study. Yeah. Uh, and he's become, I mean, he's asked me to fill in a few times, and I didn't know. So I would just listen to Baylor broadcasts over and over and over. This was back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I guess early 2000s well, uh, when, I, when I did it. Well, and the key thing, I mean, you've done tons and tons mm-hmm. of play-by-play, and, and I'd done quite a bit of it prior to me getting involved with the Stars. I didn't know anything about hockey, but... All it is when you go and you call a sport, if you know how to do play-by-play, you just got to learn the terminology. You, you were in a similar situation when you did I, started I, doing hockey, right? I bought, when when I was asked to go to Waterloo in Chicago, uh, this weekend, like what would be this weekend right now was the back in 2002, yeah. were my first couple of games. And on the bus, I was reading Hockey for Dummies because I genuinely <laughs> didn't know the game at right. all. Yeah, I did the same thing. I'm filling in for John Baylor. I did a tournament, uh, I believe, in New Orleans, and it was something like a block back point, Nebraska. What just happened? Diane Mendenhall. So I uh, just lean on <laughs> time and score. What you really want to do is just get time and score uh, if you don't know anything else about what you're covering. But that was fun. Good conversation with the voice of Husker Volleyball, John Baylor. Hopefully we'll get him back at some point. We're going to talk more vo- volleyball uh, next hour. Tanya Taki, one of the great middle blockers of all time in Husker history, played for both John Cook, and before that, Terry Pettit. Uh, but she'll be in studio uh, to yep. talk about what happened last night and uh, break it down for us. But we got to get to Husker football. Husker football at Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald, uh, who writes about Husker football for those guys recruiting. He covers that. Uh, you mentioned Colin Barta. Maybe you can uh, weigh in on what happened with that and, and how recruiting is going. But of course, we're going to focus on what happened yesterday in that 17 9 Husker victory over. Northwestern. Let's get to break and come back with more. He is Mike Melby. I'm Tom Stevens. It's Husker Rewind. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Husker Rewind. That's Tom Stevens. I'm Mike Melby. For those of you streaming on the Sarder Heyman stream, thank you very much. We stream every show that is broadcast from this beautiful studio at 11th and O Street on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. If you want to join the show, Honda of Lincoln Hotline, Sarder Heyman text line, 402-464-5685. And speaking of that hotline, we've got the Aloe VIP line. VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of of exceptional service with a local heart. And I think we have the Aloe Hotline fired up once again, Tom. We do. Uh, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald joins us right now. Hi, Evan. How are you? Hey, doing well. Happy Sunday, guys. Happy Sunday to you. Of course, uh, Evan writes a lot about Husker football, Husker football recruiting, a little baseball. We'll start with Husker football. Uh, It has not been pretty. Uh, and I think we've all seen Husker football lose games, and in most cases, lose games like we saw yesterday, seventeen to nine. Did you ever get that feeling? Like, did, which way did you kind of feel as that thing was moving along? Like another Husker loss, or do you feel like times have changed? You know, I kind of felt like they were 
going to be okay. And and maybe that's just because that they finally showed that against Illinois a week earlier. But, you know, it, I just think it was for kind of for the second straight week, you can take that game how you want it. You can take it to say, oh, you know, they've, they've got a long way to go. They, they've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and, and I kind of took it to to be a positive where it's just like how many times in the last five years would any one of those mistakes that Nebraska made sink them, right? And either of the first two interceptions could have set the tone for the game. The two long uh, plays they gave up, one on the ground and then one through the air that could have uh, taken some of the air out of the stadium. But the defense continued to you know, rise up when it mattered. The offense kind of did just enough and they held on. And so like, I think you're starting to see a trend where Nebraska is just not going to apologize for the lack of style points as long as the actual points uh, are, are just a little bit better than what the other side is showing. And, and I think, you know, the Big Ten West is pretty clearly proven that it's a flawed league or it's a flawed division and um, a flawed group of teams. But at this point, man, you know, Nebraska is just trying to figure some things out, try to get to a bowl game, try to learn how to win again. And I think in that regard, you can point to the last couple of games in particular and see some real progress being made. Evan Bland from the Omaha World-Herald joining us here on 93.7 The Ticket. Um, Evan, I want to ask you about a comment Matt Rule made following the game where he said, I think we would have lost this game at the beginning of the season. And I'm sitting there thinking about it, you know, as, as fans, and then you, you've got, you know, I, we come on and we talk about it, and you're going to, you know, sit behind the keyboard, and you're going to write about it and jump on shows all week and talk about it. But... I seem to have lost sight of the fact that we won the game so often here uh, with these wins this year. And it only took me about five minutes to realize what Matt Rule said there is, hey, we won this game. We would have lost it. We proved we would have lost this game earlier this year. Um, that, that mindset change, how difficult of a job do you feel this has been for Matt Rule and his staff to get them to understand, I don't care what happens, you can still win this game. Yeah, I mean, it's something that they've been working on for, for months. Like, that's what the off season has been about. Like, you can rattle off all of the the little mantras that they have, right? Get 1% better every day. Uh, relentless, disciplined, violent. Win the rep. What's next? Like, these are things that the players have parroted for weeks and for months and what they've gone through in practice. And, you know, I thought especially what the defense did was sort of a manifestation of – what this culture is like they gave up some, some plays, some actually two of the biggest plays from scrimmage that they've given up all year in key spots. And what do they do? They buckled down, they caught the, the runners from behind and they forced field goals. And, you know, to hear from some of the defenders Saturday evening afterwards, like they just, you know, they, they're just like, we don't care. Like, okay, there was a play. So what, what's next? Um, you know, how do we, win in this next moment. I think absolutely that's been one of the major developments within this team is they haven't let that one mistake snowball and and turn into a loss and kind of hang there for a quarter or for a half or whatever. Um, and again, like they, they made a lot of mistakes. The defense by its own standards uh, didn't play probably its its best game or even its second best game this year. The offense uh, clearly with all the injuries um, and mistakes is far from where it wants to be. But I think what you're seeing maybe in the absence of an abundance of talent is 
that culture setting in. And, and again, the player is just kind of realizing, okay, I mean, we're not going to play a perfect game. You move on to the next thing. You figure it out. You keep pounding, um, and, and you lean on that identity. And I think they're, they're starting to figure out that identity on offense is to run the ball, uh, kill the clock, right? Make the, shorten the game and then rely on your defense to do what it does. And, you know, again, like you look at the schedule down the stretch here, that's a formula that can win you multiple games and, and get you into the postseason for the first time since 2016. So I think that's probably the most impressive thing has not necessarily been the individual players that have stepped up, but just the, the mindset of the team to sort of embrace the fact that it's not going to be flawless and win in spite of that. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald, our guest. You mentioned identity. I don't think I heard that term or believed if they said that there was an identity before. And I'm not, this is not Scott Frost bashing. It's just, yeah, just there hasn't been an identity. And especially with all the injuries. I mean, you lose two more yesterday. Billy Kemp is out. Marcus Washington last week. You lose Ethan Piper before the season or early in the season. Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, Xavier Betts was gone. Isaiah Castaneda, one after the other. And yet, they're able to kind of win in the Big Ten West style, uh, ugly. I'm not sure Nebraska in the past would have had the patience to win like that. Do you? No, no. I mean, they, time of possession would be one way that that's reflected. Um, certainly last year it felt like, uh, and, and things went sideways pretty quickly, but you kind of felt like if they didn't bust a run on the first couple of times, like they were going to go away from it and go to the pass. And so I think you have to, have a belief in what you're doing and like the players can articulate that. And I think that's a a key part of it is this idea that you might not gain a ton of separation in the first quarter, the first half. um, But there's a belief that by the time you get to the fourth quarter, that those, that, that accumulation of body blows is going to add up and that you're going to tire out the other side because you're, you're tougher um, and you've taken more hits in practice and you've trained better and, and, and whatever, um, there, there's just that belief that they can find that separation late. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, for years, like I think even before Scott Frost, like you kind of wondered what, what's the path to victory for this team on a week in week out basis. It felt like so often they adjusted what they did to what the opponent was doing, as opposed to having its own, um, you know, blueprint to success. And, and I think you compare that by looking around the West and saying, okay, what's, what's Iowa's identity? I think we, we can all articulate that. What's Minnesota's identity? What's Wisconsin's identity been prior to the coaching change this year? Like, I think everyone has in mind the style and sort of the, the way that those teams are going to operate. And I think Nebraska now finally is getting to that point. And, and that's not to say that things won't evolve as recruiting picks up and the offense gets healthier and they find, more skill players, but right now and for the rest of the season, I, I think it's pretty clear what Nebraska wants to do, do to win. Um, and, and you talked about Matt Rule's comments, like if Nebraska played Minnesota next week, I, I'm fairly confident that they would win that game. And I, I think, again, that just shows uh, just the strides mentally this team's made in a couple of months. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the Allo VIP line on 93.7 The Ticket. Evan, I want to ask you about two different players. One of them was going to come to Nebraska. He now is not. Kalen Barta uh, from Topeka. He's going to go to K-State. Announced it earlier today. The other one, I follow recruiting kind of well, like probably better than the average person. I had no idea we had a player in our on our team 
named James Williams. <laughs> Neither did anybody else. Where did he come from? And oh my gosh, <laughs> expand a little bit about your knowledge of James Williams. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was funny. I, I don't think uh, I was alone in that first series yesterday afternoon when number 90 comes around the edge. And I, he didn't get credit for the, the sack, but he definitely influenced the play and and, and disrupted it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the roster going, yeah, James, James Williams. Like I, I kind of remembered he was the junior college walk-on from Iowa central. He was a late arrival in July uh, and had been on the scout team all season. And in part of the week leading up to North, to the Northwestern game, pass rush special specialist. They felt like he was somebody who could have a few sets designed specifically for him in key spots, and, and it turned out that way. I mean, he, he he made his impact on that opening drive, and then late when he got the sack. But this is someone who I think can be an example of the value of this Matt Rule staff, which has put a lot of emphasis on its own evaluations. Like this has not been a staff that is in its year in Lincoln has chased stars. Like they find what they want to find in guys, and sometimes recruiting services agree, and sometimes they don't. And in this case, you know, Williams was a guy from Park, I think Parkville, Missouri, who was not recruited really out of high school at all. Didn't start till he was a senior, had a, a growth spurt that was late. And then he had a year at Iowa Central, uh, Nebraska invited him to a, a camp that summer and he showed out and uh, was offered a walk-on spot. He bet on himself and ended up at Nebraska. Um, and then, you know, to hear him talk about it Saturday afternoon kind of said it took him a little while to adjust to the culture uh, that Matt Rule has in place to kind of figure out his 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 niche in the team, um, but man, I mean, what a what a debut for him! I think he he kind of reminds me of like if you remember Feldarius Payne from a few years ago. Oh yeah, he's kind of he's kind of the guy that that Payne was envisioned to be too, sort of a smaller, a little bit smaller pass rushing specialist sort of guy. So um, man, I mean, to have the kind of impact he did in that opener, you could just see the confidence in him afterward. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Nebraska utilizes him here the rest of the way. Well, it's crazy because you don't see a lot of those stories. I don't think, at least I haven't at Nebraska in college football, but they, they embrace him a lot. You know, let's take Joshua Fleeks, uh, who's a wide receiver and make him a running back, or let's take AJ Rollins, who's, you know, a tight end and make him a defensive end. You see John Bullock, who is a safety and let's make him a linebacker, Ethan nation. Let's try him at running back. I mean, it's, it just feels like they have no fear or don't have a lot of fear about trying things that other coaches, at least in Nebraska, have not tried. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they made some moves in the offseason. They've made moves in season. Jeremiah Charles is another example of that as a receiver who they're like, yeah, let's let's try out a corner. And suddenly, hey, you know, it looks like, you know, down the line, he could be an impact guy there, too. But I think the other part of it that, that I think about when we talk about this, too, is as much as we talk about the offense sort of, of, of losing personnel to injuries and how that part is shrunk, like the defense just continues to expand. I mean, they've had their, uh, their share of injuries too. Deshaun Singleton's been out. Marquise Buford hasn't come back yet this year. Reimer's been in and out Henrich, but like they continue to add playmakers and, and James Williams is just kind of the latest example of that. Makai Bayer has had a strong year. As you mentioned, John Bullock, like they're just finding guys and, you know, maybe that re requires a position change. Maybe that requires 
physical development. Maybe that requires, uh, you know, extra cram sessions with the playbook like it was for guys like Malachi Coleman and some of those freshman receivers that have gotten out there. But I, I think we're seeing in real time, like why Matt Rule has the reputation that he does as a program builder, as a developmental program. Like we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing it play out right in front of us where how many times in the past at Nebraska was it about uh, hoping a freshman could could bail them out or that a four-star or, or some prominent transfer could come in and do something. This staff is showing that it could be that, but it could also be some of these players that they identify and cultivate behind the scenes and then pop up the way guys like Williams did on Saturday. Evan, I want to ask you really quick. You mentioned injuries, and there were there were a couple more, and I just I, I don't know. We'll probably learn more uh, in, in the pressers this week, but Ethan Piper's injury looked pretty bad. Joshua Fleeks, from what we kind of got, is it may not be too severe. And then another one, Tommy Hill left the game. Anything that you know yeah. about any of those three injuries that maybe we haven't heard? No, I mean, like you said, they'll, they'll uh, Matt Rule, break that down on Monday. I mean, I agree. Pipers didn't look great. And Kemp, man, my goodness, they, they can't afford to lose another <clears throat> receiver. Uh, you'd hate to see him go down just the – at, at a point where they were really making a concerted effort to get him the ball, um, you know, Tommy Hill, that kind of, that affects the secondary. Um, you know, Matt rule said afterward that he didn't want to move uh, Malcolm Hartzog uh, positionally back to, to corner in game, but kind of had to for a little bit. So you wonder how that'll affect the secondary. I don't know if Ben Scott came back. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what his status was oh, either, about but you know, especially yeah. on the offensive side, like you think about, and as you listed all the injuries to these skill positions, the one spot that's sort of been immune to that knock on wood had been the offensive line. And then you have Piper go down the way that he did potentially Ben Scott will see. Um, but I think that particular position group, that O line has been one of the reasons Nebraska has been able to play ugly despite all those injuries elsewhere. Um, and if you dip too deep into that particular position because of injuries, um, it's just going to make that, that job for the offense all the harder, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what those injury situations are. It, it's pretty crazy that it's come to this, um, you know, seven games in that they've been hit as hard as they have, but as Matt rule has said, and I'm guessing he'll probably say Monday, uh, the silver lining is it's an opportunity for younger guys to get valuable playing experience. And that's something that can pay off, you know, down the line as Nebraska builds toward what it wants to be. He's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. I know baseball is a few months away. Uh, the fall series just completed. Any hot takes on Husker baseball? <laughs> uh, you know, it, a lot of new faces again. It was fun watching the red-white series. I think they have a lot of uh, depth of arms. Uh, they don't have maybe the clear headliner uh, atop the rotation that they've had in the past, but there's probably six or seven guys that you feel like could have an impact. And I think that's a place Nebraska needs to be, especially when it comes to those midweek games. So that, that was an encouragement. And, um, you know, I, I think the offense, it's not going to hit a school record, 97 home runs again, like it did last year. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's versatile. Uh, you know, they have, they have a lot of guys who, who are fast, who um, aren't afraid to take, take the extra base. Uh, and they have uh, Dylan Carey, I think is a, a, a guy at shortstop who's going to move over from third. Who's a, potential breakout candidate this year too so um it's going to be fun to kind of learn about that team in the spring i think they figured some things out this fall uh if nothing other than this is a competitive group probably a deeper group overall than nebraska's had in a while so it'll be fun to see that play out here in uh, mid-february 
All right. Uh, great stuff, Evan. We'll definitely have you back on for the football season. Uh, many more weeks to go. What we got? Uh, six left? Or five left? Five left. Five left. Uh, flying. And, uh, it is flying by. Uh, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Evan. Hey, thanks, guys. There yeah. you go. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, we'll definitely talk to him during the baseball season. I'm, I, I think it's, it's a team that will be able to hit. And it sounds like they've got some pitching as well. But who knows? I mean, you just don't seem to know until you know. Uh, with Husker, with with so many new faces in the program, it's not like they're returning turning uh, you know ten starters uh, or nine starters. It's if they've got a lot of guys that uh, a lot of guys that they have to replace. But we'll see. I, I like uh, I like uh, where they've got it going. I'm just gonna say I like the coaching changes on the staff. Well, Childress is a pretty good hire. I mean, he's yeah, already there. Yeah. He was already there. <laughs> uh, uh, and Mike Sirianni, I, he's one of the better recruiters in baseball, yeah. in college baseball. So. And we love Lance Harvell, who yes, we always we have do. on during the season. Uh, we won't talk any Husker baseball because it won't start for a few months. Uh, but we will talk more Husker football. In fact, we've got to give out our grades. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we've got the Big Ten Blitz. We've got Tony yep. Taki, uh, former middle blocker for Nebraska Volleyball, played for both uh, Terry Pettit and John Cook. So lots to talk about. He's Mike Melby. I'm Tom Stevens. It's Husker Rewind and more after this.